Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Baby Gap Batch. Uh, I'm Brett Vergara. And I'm Camila Salazar. And we're coming back to you after, I hate that this feels like a trend now, but after another grueling week in this franchise. How are you feeling over there? I'm doing okay. Maybe better than I should be. I feel a little a little kind of guilty, maybe to admit, but I was definitely lucky enough to have some sort of respite from Bachelor Nation this week. I feel like that's not a luxury that a lot of people who are heavily involved um, in like the media surrounding the franchise did not have. So I do be lucky for that. But but yeah, it's been a lot. How are how are you feeling? Brad? I feel like I've aged 10 years in this past week. And also too, like I was afraid of that. <laughs> I feel that way as a white man. And I cannot even imagine uh, you know, BIPOC viewers of this franchise, just how fucking aged and exhausted they feel after this past week when they've had to go through plenty of other exhausting weeks. Uh, and man, it was just tough. And uh, no, I'm very envious of your healthy boundaries with <laughs> this show. And I think I'm going to, you know, we were talking about this you know, before we started recording, but I think after this week, one, I'm, I didn't tweet this week just because I'm like, no, I can't like, and I'll maybe see about next week, but I really just doesn't feel right. Uh, and yeah, right. I think I need to take a bit of a uh, cleanse from this franchise, especially this, this week, um, barring any major updates, you know, we're recording right now right. and we'll just see if more things explode, but yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, and so to recap, to everyone listening, um, this is heavily related to, not heavily related, this is exactly related to, you know, our Bachelor Nation moment of the week last week when we reflected and commented on the pictures that surfaced of Rachel Kirkconnell, um at like an old South Plantation party. And we were kind of responding to the apologists and excuses that, you hear time and time again to these sorts of um, quote unquote mistakes that happen. Um, and we recorded that before the Chris Harrison, Rachel Lindsay extra interview, but our episode and that interview dropped at around the same time. Um, I think maybe one dropped like the night before the other, but very close together. And I know I was kind of both shocked, but also pleased at how relevant that conversation that you and I had yeah. um, was to our reactions to Chris Harrison's absolutely horrid, disgusting, absolutely yeah. crazy yeah. conversation with Rachel Lindsay. Like I am, I kind of expected something like that to happen in Bachelor Nation, but for it to have been Chris Harrison, and then on top of that, while speaking to Rachel Lindsay, it, it blew my mind truly. Yeah. 
Well, there well, goes the picture was from 2018 at an old South antebellum party. So I think, you know, when you when you it's, it's when not, you hold that under the lens, look. it's not a good look. No. It's not a good, well, Rachel, is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? It's because not a, a big good difference. look ever because she's celebrating well, the old South. She's cel- if I went to that party, what would I represent I, at that party? I don't, I don't disagree with you. You're, you're 100% right in 2021. That was not the case in 2018. That was crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then Rachel said too that like the one that bothered her the most was that like who are you to like you know and and, and who is Rachel Lindsay and who is Chris Harrison and who is whatever woke police person out there when who are you who the hell are you who well, are you it? that you demand this? literally a black woman in America yeah like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's what? like it's like why would you have any sort of take on this who are you yeah. Where did she say that? Did she say that on higher learning or? Yeah. On higher learning, she just said like with Van there that that was the moment that like really, really hurt her the most. I think it's like Mm. just really saying like, yeah, who are you? Like, and like, she's done nothing for this franchise. Like she hasn't been painstakingly trying to guide this franchise to a better place for fucking years. But who are you? Who the hell are you? Yeah. Who the hell are you? And that aside, like her involvement in Nation aside, it's like she could have been a she could have been an extra interviewer. Yeah, right. Who was not involved in Nation, doing her job interviewing Chris Harrison about this pretty serious thing that's going on with one of the front runners. <clears throat> and who are you? She's a black woman in America. Like, let, like put aside the fact that she was the first black lead of this entire franchise. You know, it's just the the audacity, nay. The caucasity. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing that jumps out, you know, for me in this interview, beyond just like the uh, the really disturbing and striking quotes that we just you know played, is just his mm-hmm. general combative tone towards change, towards like the quote unquote woke police. So and here's the thing: is like we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about his statement, but. This is not his first time doing this shit. This is not the first time he has just been so resistant to progress towards like kind of throwing up his hands saying like, that's not our job. Like, I don't really care about that stuff. I mean, he gave an interview back in January where he was essentially saying the same things where it's like, oh, he doesn't really care for pretty sure he used the exact same phrasing woke police and, uh, you know, like like people on social media. It's just so consistently dismissive so that's the thing you look for here right is a pattern of behavior especially Mm -hmm. when we've been here before as far as uh him promising to do better again that's skipping ahead but we've been here before yet he just continues to do it and do it and continues to well i would say continues to get away with it but i guess we'll see about that yeah maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves but the fact that he released a statement saying that he was gonna step away from his main responsibilities for a little bit that yeah is he getting away with it is this a slap on the wrist i mean again we're not here to be like judge jury and executioner and we're not here to decide or even claim to know that we know what the correct punishment is right but i am wondering if this is performative or if this is actually like a real warning of like watch yourself chris because if not you're gonna lose your entire empire did you you did you 
intentionally say judge, jury, and executioner because that's also what he said in the interview, the extra interview. He did. Yeah, yeah. So careful. <laughs> no, I just feel like it's a really good. I just feel like it's a really good saying and phrase because again, I we've definitely said this before on the podcast. But like, I don't believe in cancel culture, and I it's so funny and ironic because that's what these like you know right wing or like racist apologists people say they use that language all the time like cancel culture cancel culture and it's like no that's different than accountability yeah and that's different than taking responsibility for your actions and for bad actions having real consequences and so that being said like i'm not the person who is has the authority to say what is a valid um punishment for an action you know, like I don't like I can't be I can't sit here and say, yeah, Chris Harrison deserves to have like to never be a host for anything ever again. Yeah. Like, who am I to say that? And and if he continues to like not take accountability, not take responsibility, if he continues to insist that he's right or continue to to um, sympathize with racism and racist and racist actions, then yeah, he doesn't deserve to have that. But if this is like if this is a real wake up call and he's gonna start doing the work and go maybe go to therapy and go to different, you know, take certain classes on like history classes and like kind of understanding the real insidiousness of like of like, you know, whiteness and and like institutional racism and stuff like that, sure, he deserves a chance to grow, just like yeah. everyone else, you know? So it, it it's just hard. That's why I say things like that, because I always like to keep myself in check and keep myself grounded and remind myself that I'm not better than anyone, even if I don't agree with people. Um, for the most part, obviously yeah. there's exceptions. Like obviously I'm better than like Ted Bundy, you know what mm, I mean? But yeah, sure. I'm not better than people who make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. I'm, and how you, it's how you move forward from your mistakes. Yeah. I, I in general do agree with you as far as like, you know, we do need to give people the space to grow. And, I, and I'm actually very much in the camp of like, if someone, you know, again, if it's my place to, um, you know, this is more of someone who has individually wronged me per se, right? Um, if, mm-hmm. they're, if they're seeming like they're making active steps to try to reach out an olive branch or to really actively try to, to learn and also own up to what they've done and take accountability, then, you know, then yeah, you can work with them. I think I'm more resistant to Chris, and that's coming from someone who usually feels that way. I'm more resistant to him because he's like, I don't know how old he is, but it takes a long time to unlearn some of the things that he has learned. Like he has like built yeah. in racism. We can, you know, it's it's systemic racism, but you know, he grew up in Texas in like the 60s and 70s, and he even talks about that in the extra interview where it's like, oh, you should have heard some of this stuff that we were saying. It's like, you know, I mean, I would love, I do support like, yeah, go to therapy, really try to learn how to be anti-racist. I'm just realistic in the sense that that's not going to happen overnight. And I don't think he can just take a break from after the final rose and come back for bachelorette. And we're like all good. I mean, I guess what, when I've been really thinking about this, like what, you know, proper, you know, accountability looks like here, I think about, People, you know, like Rachel Lindsay tweeting that her days are numbered. I think about uh, Katie Morton, who is on uh, Colton season, where one of you know her response to this week was that she's not going to watch this show anymore because she doesn't feel like it's a place for her. That it's you know it's essentially kind of ousted her. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, well, 
what is like the cost of keeping Chris Harrison as the host and the face and that at the helm of this, we're literally going to be pushing people out. Oh, wait, right. We totally agree. Okay. So I guess where I was coming from is I met me individually. Like I, as one person cannot, but like us as a collective can, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I, don't think that my voice, Camila Salazar's voice, is like the one to say Chris Harrison definitely does not deserve to be here anymore. Um, it's my opinion that I would like to see maybe some sort of change or like a different host, maybe like Rachel Lindsay hosting, you know. But I guess where I was coming from is like in day to day, like I am not the person who is going to be like the judge, jury, and executioner for every single person who commits a bad action, but I can still have an opinion and put my consumerism, capitalism dollars towards my opinion. You know, just like Katie not watching the franchise anymore. Like, think does that make sense? Like, I'm I actually really agree with you, and I agree that like keeping Chris Harrison is not is not worth like losing the trust of the bike pot contestants and viewers that help. Um, contribute so much to yeah. the franchise. Yeah, because I, you know, because I've seen a lot of people who are comfortable, you know, condemning Chris's actions, but don't feel comfortable making like that next step of like, oh, but we can't like ruin his life. We can't, you know, people can grow. It's like that's oh, also yeah. very true. But at the same time, it's like I don't think also, that you're those gonna people... ruin his life by making him leave the Bachelor franchise. Yeah, like right. his life is not ruined. He has a family who he loves and who loves him. He's incredibly wealthy. He has a great life. Like he might be publicly embarrassed yeah. for a little bit, but his life is not ruined. Yeah. What it comes down to is like, do you side with like the oppressor or the oppressed? And that's really what I, what I'm feeling here is that I yeah. am, am heartbroken listening to, you know, black women specifically this week. Um, who I know watch this show and have watched it for years who are just really fucking sad and don't know what to do and are just like hurt. And I just, you know, and when, when you were talking about as far as like, you know, you're not the person to, you know, be, you know, judge, jury, executioner and all that, you know, I've definitely felt that as just like a white man watching this. It's like, it's not my, it's not my place to, you know, accept any sort of apology. It's not my place to even judge the apologies. Like, oh, well, this is good. This could be better. You know, I'm, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm more just like listening to, you know, again, in this instance, yeah. black women and how they're responding and just let them, yeah. let them say where they're feeling. I'm not like super hopeful that they are going to replace him, although I think it's probably time. That being said, I have been extremely heartened and I've had, perhaps naive optimism, just seeing the joint statements of the current cast and of the yeah. last season of Bachelorette. Because, you know, I think we really can't minimize how difficult that was for them to do. They are scared to shit of yeah. their contracts. And those things are so intimidating. And the fact that they I'm were able to. Yeah. Too. And that's like what did it. You know, it's like it, it's, you know being loud is how shit gets done and that momentum and just power in numbers as Ivan tweeted out. um, That's what happens. That's what gets stuff done. So I think we're seeing that. I do hope that we're in this period where, you know, they're getting a whole bunch of shit this, this past, I would say week, but it's been more than that. And that's, 
how change happens or it's at least how, you know, we got to try to make it happen. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's also extremely telling that all of this kind of stemmed from, I mean, this obviously stemmed from like the pictures and the racist allegations and all these things that were kind of bubbling around Rachel, but the whole interview, I mean, it was all stemmed from Rachel Kirkconnell's silence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It was based on her lack of a statement. And there were some rumblings that ABC was not letting her speak, but it was still like, well, that's not really good. You know, and my, and to throw back to my opinion, I was kind of like, that's not really good enough because we heard from Garrett, yeah. you're going, who won the very next day. And this was like the day that his thing happened, like the day his season premiered. Right. So, um, so that, you know, for me, I was like, that's kind of whack and lame. Um, and I think it's extremely telling that Rachel finally gave a statement after this Chris Harrison backlash. And the statement was, I think, you know, even though the apology is not for us, like it, I think we can agree that it's one of the more thought out yeah. statements and one of the more, you know, like good first step statements that I have seen, yeah. you know, objectively. Um, in terms of people in the public eye fucking up, um, uh, but it truly was like, I don't want to be associated with this Chris Harrison fuck up. Like it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it almost, it was almost comical if it wasn't so serious. Yeah, you know, no, I know. It was like, holy shit, I can't let this like get even worse by like this man vouching for me in a way that is so incredibly with like white privilege goggles. Yeah, I think it's like whoever wrote. Rachel's statement, there was a much (laughs) objectively better statement than Chris's. And that's like where I can really empathize with how people are um, receiving that statement because it's like, yeah, was that really her or was this just like literally the diversity consultant newly hired at Bachelor drafting this on up and just putting it in Rachel's mouth? So that's where, you know, we'll see, I suppose. I definitely thought about that too. And the thing that, like, kind of gives me solace or, you know, it's like a bright note to that is that even if these weren't her, like, unique words, but she still kind of means it or she doesn't really mean it at all, but she knows it's the only thing she can do to move forward and not, you know, have a big, like, red R for racist on her back for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, She has to, like, abide by this for the foreseeable future. For, like, several years, she's going to have to, like, fake it yeah and you know what they say fake sometimes you fake it till you make it like there's so many times i can point to when people like fake a thing and then before they know it they actually start to believe it and realize it so part of me is like even if this is fake right now if she wants to like survive as a public figure and like thrive and not be branded racist for the rest of her life she's gonna have to walk the walk of the statement that she maybe wrote maybe didn't write And I'm hoping that in doing so, it will open her eyes a little bit to to the fact that, oh, actually, there is some truth and realness to this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. even if she got there the wrong way, all we can hope is that people in the public eye get there eventually. Yeah. This whole Chris Harrison fuck up is the best thing that could have ever happened to Rachel Kirkconnell, honestly. Dude, seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, actually, you know what? Another, I've said this, too, but the thing that makes the whole chris situation so much worse is that he is so fucking media trained he is like more media trained than like anyone on tv right now he's been on tv literally for years and on a major he's the major head of a major franchise and he's done 
I can't even fathom how many interviews, how many times he's been on camera or podcasts or, uh, you know, always says the right thing, always, always eloquently dances around the controversial thing. It was so crazy to see him struggle to walk around, you know, words like racism and like, you know, if you if you're a Republican, that means you're X. And he just like truly, truly struggling to like hold back. And like eloquently dance around the thing that you know he really wants to say. I was shocked. I was like, I've seen you dodge so many bullets yeah. that you shouldn't have been able to dodge yeah. in your career, sir. Because you were you were that good. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So with Chris being the most media trained person like in America, at least in my mind, it really ties into Rachel's response. Rachel Lindsay, I should say, uh, on higher learning with Van. And when I saw how this interview was going, I said, I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to let this man talk. I'm going to hold it together. I'm going to poke just a little bit. But it was as if Chris Harrison woke up and said, you know what? I'm just going to be myself today. It would have been so easy for him to just be typical political Chris Harrison. And by political, I mean not political whatsoever. And just dodge, dodge, dodge. Just give you know, media trained answer, media trained answer. But he was just like, fuck it. I don't need to do that. I'm I'm free. And then he just went for it. Mm-hmm. And nobody was there to stop him. Nobody. And it's just, you know what I think it was? Chris wasn't defending Rachel Kirkconnell. Chris was defending himself because he was like, he yeah. had seen himself in those actions. And he was just trying to defend the weird jokes that he made in the seventies. That's clearly what this all (laughs) was. Yeah, for sure. So another thing that kind of gives me this sense of optimism that we might eventually start seeing change here again, cautious optimism, extreme emphasis on the cautious is literally the, Bachelor Nation sanctioned podcasts are ripping Chris apart and they're talking about how disappointed they are. You know, you have clickbait with Tasha and Natasha. They went off on him, how disappointed they are in Chris. Tasha was saying that she literally just came off of being the bachelorette and wants like an apology from Chris. Um, and then Monday morning, uh, we had talking it out with uh, Mike Johnson and Brian, uh, AKA Rachel Lindsay's, husband and they get into it too well i'll tell you who she is chris she's rachel motherfucking Lindsay, strong black woman a pioneer in this franchise the realest bachelorette who tells it like it is and quite frankly the best thing to ever happen to this franchise that's who she is and one note on this is i will say with rachel's season I was more of like a Peter fan, but Brian just like absolved all of his wrongdoing on that season for me just now. Like, <laughs> Wait, in that what did one Brian moment. do wrong? I, so I will have to fact check myself here, but uh, there's something that jumps out at me where I think he referred to Rachel as sloppy seconds. And I was like, I don't fucking trust this guy. He was also what? on a reality what? show called The Player. So I was like, I don't like this guy. He just, just reeks of mistrust. But um, I didn't know any of that. Those are the two, and also he wore a really weird shirt one time. So those are my three main <laughs> gripes. <laughs> he wore a shirt. He wore a shirt that just like it kind of looked like the Instagram logo, like the the gradient look. <laughs> that it just really bothered me. So those are my main three things. But you know, that's 
hilarious. Clearly, oh. you can tell just from that clip, like how much he loves Rachel, and it was amazing listening to him. So yeah. the fact that, yeah, because like obviously these are going to be sanctioned by ABC these podcasts, so. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is them being like, yep, let us have it, you know, because if they were really trying to keep a lid on this, they would just be like, no, just like, you know, dodge it a little bit. But they're just like letting it be open season. Yeah, I will. Just a comment there. Peter Cross is also my my favorite Um, from Rachel Lindsay season. But I did always have I didn't know about these those, you know, reasons number one and two for for you, uh, Brett and I will definitely we will definitely be fact checking them <laughs> later. Or if anyone out there knows anything <laughs> about these allegations, email us, babygotpatchpod at gmail.com. Um, but Brian did, you know, I did have a soft spot for him because he, like myself, is Colombian from Miami. Uh, and he just reminded me of like he seemed like someone who could definitely be like a family member of mine. So that's why I was like, okay, when they ended up together, even though Peter, I thought was like so hot and awesome and nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just a little side note there. Um, yeah. So with that, should we get into the episode? <laughs> yeah. Let's get into the episode, I suppose. Let's do it. So we open the episode with kind of like a sizzle reel of you know the drum that we left off with you know heather coming in interrupting piper piper being crazy upset the women being confused and you know who is she and and heather and and matt laughing and 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 being all flirty and and all that good stuff um and it's just the same there's like some new shots of some of the same old shots but it's just like all hot mess like I think one um, visual that really, really stuck with me was Piper like sobbing, sobbing, like bent over a bar, I want to say, like hair over, like yeah. hair over, you know, yeah. arms, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of thing with like an empty champagne flute, like right next to her framed very, like very specifically, I felt. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I It just it just it was burned into my it, brain. It kind of threw me back to Jason Mesnick vibes when he, like, threw himself, like, over that – not actually threw himself yeah. over that <laughs> railing, but you know what I yeah. mean, where it kind of gave me that kind of sob energy. Yeah. Um, I was thinking very similar to that. And then I know Ben Higgins was compared to him, too, when mm-hmm. he was all like, I'm in love with you, women. Yeah. And, that, and back when that was groundbreaking, you know, so um, – <laughs> And then Heather um, is kind of explaining to Matt about why she decided to come on the show. You know, she says, I even booked a red eye on my own. So she didn't drive across the country in the minivan, as we guessed. But, um, yeah, she she claims she booked a red eye on her own. What are we thinking? Do you think that she actually... You know what's weird here is I know last week we were both like, fuck you. Like, we know you didn't do this fully on your own. (laughs) But what's what's wild is I've since heard from... Well, Nick said it publicly and then I heard from other people... uh, you know, not not so publicly that like she did <laughs> actually do this, like that production actually wanted her to not come. She like she was told no multiple times and she just ramrodded her way into this show. How did they I feel like was this just like a production was like, fuck it, let's just let it yeah. happen. This will be yeah. end up being content because I feel like they if they really wanted to say no, they could have. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think it was more one of those things where. 
Heather kind of played chicken with the producers in a way where she just really committed to the bit. And, you know, when she was, I don't even know where she's from, but when she was back at home and asked, producers were like, no, don't do it. And then she's like, well, I'm going to book a flight. And then she's just going to show up right at the door. And then maybe when she shows up right at the door, the producers maybe feel like their hands are forced where they're just like, fine, we'll let you on this show. Fine. Big if true. Big (laughs) Big if if true. true. So the women are not excited to meet her you know heather after having her chat with matt and matt decides to go think about it for a little bit she comes and introduces herself to the women and it's like comeback season mean girls too you know it just really was not nice and pleasant and i think the worst part about it was that you know we saw ugly sides of women who had not originally been associated with the mean girls you know we had we had Serena C and um and Kit, you know, reprising the roles yeah. of low-key mean girls. But we had some of the worst comments of the night from Jasenia. From Jasenia, who had been like a anti-bullying pioneer. Yeah. And Piper, who who also had stayed out of the drama for the most part previously. And I know that Piper, right after last episode, went on Rachel and Becca's podcast. And I, I could tell that she was doing some preemptive damage control. And, you know, she was explaining where she was coming from and how emotional and how invisible she yeah. felt. And just the imagery of, like, this beautiful blonde white girl who is, like, everything that society says is, like, what's most beautiful and more beautiful than you. Like, I, I listened to that clip and I really did empathize with her and I could understand why she was so emotional and upset, but it was just really hard um, to watch. It was really hard to watch, especially yeah. when this anger that she's feeling is very real, but it is unfortunately extremely misplaced. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I know this is like a famous saying, and I'm, you know, not really doing whoever said this justice by not remembering, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like those sayings of like, you know, the first thought that pops into your mind is not your fault, mm. like that's society's fault, you yeah. know, whether it's a stereotype or an initial gut reaction yeah. or an initial way that you want to react or judge someone. Yeah. Um, but it's your second thought and the way you act on those impulses mm. that is a reflection of who, yeah. of who you are. I've never heard that and before. So that is, I like that. Really? That's yeah. so really? Okay. Yeah. Well, huh, where you know. Uh, yeah. So I don't really know who said this quote. So uh, listeners, if any of you <laughs> know who – who I should give uh, the credit for that quote to, please email us. Fill us in. Us. Yeah. <laughs> please do, because I do like to give credit where credit is due. Um, but yeah, I love that saying. I think it's really pertinent, imperative in every in every aspect of everything we've even been talking about on this podcast and like every kind of little bit of criticism or care we've given to every subject we've come across. I think that's really relevant. So I think I do want to say that like – and. Like I said, I, I I have a lot of empathy in general for these women and these women are exhausted. They've been through all these ups and downs and trials of of like new girls and new yeah. girls and, and you know, like the that on top of like the crazy pressure they feel just in general because of the show. Like yeah. everyone's falling in love with the same guy. Like the producers are definitely fucking with them to some extent. Like I get that's a high pressure situation and I have a lot of empathy. Um I just feel like I want to double down on something that I said a week or two ago, which is that if that 
comes out, even if it's like extreme, extreme, extreme pressure, if it comes out, it's because it was in there yeah, for right. to begin with. And if it comes out as a result of being squeezed out from this intense pressure, I have even more empathy with for you. And I have even more reason to believe that you really are a good person. And that really isn't something that you like about yourself. And all that means is you have to take responsibility for it. And, you know, yeah. maybe go to therapy, like you just yeah. like own it and like work past it and try to make sure that it just doesn't happen again. Yeah. So like with Serena C, I wasn't surprised. We already know that I don't really yeah. care for her with Kit. We also know that I don't really care for her, but it, it's slightly different. It's more of like, I just know a personality clash with me personally. I yeah. actually, she has as an objective outside person that I will never meet yeah. or know. Yeah. She did grow on me a bit. You know, like I've related with her a lot on a lot of things, both in past episodes and also later in this episode, which I'm excited to talk about. But I still wasn't surprised. Like I have been saying it from day one. Like she has, she has media trained mean girl energy. She has yeah. like high society mean girl energy that I, again, encourage her to look at because everything else about her is really cool honestly yeah, like she right. seems really well-rounded and really cool in a lot of other ways yeah um so i was especially sad to see it so um viciously in piper and in jesenia but again hoping that they see themselves on that screen don't like what they see and work to make sure that yeah you know they work on that part of themselves yeah yeah, it's a classic case of the frustration is valid, but misdirected. Uh, yeah, misdirected oh energy. God. Super yeah. misdirected. Yeah. So, okay, that whole big spiel aside, it's also like there there was a point when they were kind of starting to direct their anger at Matt, which I thought was one more appropriate than directing it at mm-hmm. Heather, you know? Yeah. Um, It should be directed at producers, but we know that that's not allowed. That would right. be allowed to show, et cetera, et cetera. They're also... There's some sort of manipulation happening. So, you know, there's that. Even though we know that the producers are to blame here, not Heather Martin or um, Matt James. Um, But that being said, they're like getting ramped up, ramped up, ramped up, you know. And then Matt does what they want him to do. And then it's like, okay, nothing happened. You know, it's like I would I would love a world where we would have a cast of people to be like, okay, let's see what happens. And then we will react accordingly and not just kind of like speculate about stuff. But then again, I guess that wouldn't be like good TV. I don't know. I guess, ugh. does this make sense though? It's like, <laughs> it I kind of was does. annoyed. I was just annoyed. I was like this whole big hullabaloo. And then it's like awkward. Like, you know, Matt at the end is like, he does everything that they wanted him to do. And then he's like, I want to really thank you guys for taking it so well. This whole thing that happened. Um, excuse me, sir, roll the tape because they, in fact, did not take this so well. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that was, well, although he, like, didn't, uh, like, handle that in the best way initially, I do think that was another example of um, him at least, like, acknowledging, um, you know, where he, you know, fucked up and he's, I don't know, he, I think he addresses situations well. Oh, yeah, 100%. My grip here is not with him at all. I agree with you. I think... You know, I did think it was funny that he said almost verbatim, like the things that the women were complaining about in the confessionals. Like part of me was like, hmm, our producers doing some like damage control to make sure he covers every single base. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that aside, I thought it was a great in terms of like, an example of what to do. You know, it's like what, what you said last week, like The Bachelor is for better or for worse, a reflection of society. So if we want to see men, you know, in dating situations, be respectful and hold themselves accountable and 
make sure that the women that they're dating are as comfortable and respected as possible. This is exactly what we want to see on TV. Right, this right. This is exactly what men should be doing when a weird obstacle yeah. is thrown in their face. Yeah. So right. I was super happy with that. Right. I was just like, mm, these women <laughs> like must, like, I wonder if they just like feel really dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Where it's like, they're just like, have this like, oh no, like moment looking back at themselves. On yeah. TV. It's like, oh my God, I almost wish he did. He did do something so that like all the ranting that I did was justifiable. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, really. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, <laughs> so uh, Matt sends Heather home. She's really, really sad. Um, I can't help but wonder, especially if what you're saying is true, that she kind of like fought her way in. Like, she must be thinking like, I can't believe I quarantined for like two <laughs> weeks for nothing. You yeah. know, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, poor, poor Heather. I just feel I just feel bad that she had to drive herself home. That's like really kicking someone bothered <laughs> down. You know, at least like at least send a driver to like bring her over to her minivan off camera. That's that was just like quite the just, just that's honestly Heather's Heather's departure this episode was worse than like Olivia Creedy being left on an island after a two on one. Oh I would God. much rather that's- go out that way than like having to drive my ass home myself big words from brett big just, mighty uh, words just, from brett. i mean right it. i mean it said it with my chest <laughs> um i also want to point out that um i predicted on episode one that heather would not stay the night <laughs> there you go there you go you did it so i just feel i just feel really proud of myself for that <laughs> look at you look at you um oh another thing that stood out to me which i guess is kind of related to what I said earlier about, you know, the women's reactions. Um, I think it was Chelsea who said this. Um, I feel like that was a glimpse into the future of how he handles situations. And I liked it. thought it was attractive. (laughs) And I just found it extremely ironic because that goes both ways. Like it's a reflection. Yeah. Like we said, we really liked the way Matt handled it. And we were glad that he could be an example for the right way to treat um, not just a woman, but a person in general, you know, just in terms of respect and human basic decency. But it goes both ways. And it was a reflection of the way that many women act when threatened by another woman. And that was really, really sad. Again, they're under a lot of pressure. It's not like an everyday situation, but it made me really sad. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. So it, 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 that goes both ways. No, yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, that's such a good point that I didn't even really think about when she said that. You can just flip it right back on yourself. Right. Flick it right back. Um, So then after Matt kind of makes all the women happy again, it's rose ceremony time. Um, So I I wanted to try something new for this uh, podcast episode. And so I was kind of like live uh, taking notes, I guess, as I was watching. And I was like making predictions left, right, and center that were immediately getting like (laughs) just like wrong 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 um so i was like so so confident that um that serena c and jesenia were gonna go home just because serena c well both of them i feel like there hadn't really been a connection there you know i feel like they had been there for other for like drama related reasons um and so when chelsea went home and said jesenia i was 
that was the first time I was like, what? Yeah. Gone too soon. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't think Chelsea was going to make it to hometowns, but I definitely thought she was going to outlast those two. Like yeah. 100%. Yeah. So that was the first time where I felt like, justice for Chelsea. Hope we see you in paradise. Yeah. But goddamn, that runway walked you down her way out. Holy shit. We know why she gets paid the big bucks. Mwah, beautiful. And once again, every time a fellow New Yorker gets the axe, I just feel it in a different place in my heart. You know, it just it just yeah. feels like I saw myself get sent home. And the last thing before we go into, you know, the next week of dates and the last week of dates before hometowns, I figured we were going to learn who the final four were before the end of this episode. So I wanted to make predictions. Um for everyone listening back home, I actually texted Brett and asked him if he wanted to do it with me. And what did you say, Brett? That I know. So it feels like I couldn't like, I would, I, I, it's like, I didn't feel right faking it, you know? But I wanted you to play, <laughs> you know? Didn't want to take that away from you. So I'm going to go right out and say it. I did this before the Serena P one-on-one. <laughs> so, I'm, so I immediately was wrong on one thing. <laughs> And immediately rewrote the predictions right after again. So I'm just going to be honest also. So my first <laughs> final four predictions were Abigail, Brie, Michelle, and Rachel. Those were my first four. And then um, I'll revisit that after this one. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Take it away. And then speaking of that one-on-one, so yeah, we get another one-on-one with Serena P, which I was trying to actually remember how often that's happened where like like people get two one-on-ones and like someone else has no one-on-ones that's also still there. And that's got to suck, man. It's got to suck. It's not uncommon, but usually I think this is the first time I've seen it where I was like, wait. Like in my mind, I was like, it's definitely Abigail. I was so convinced that it was Abigail that in the previews, I thought like it was Abigail in the yoga. Like I thought that was mm. Abigail. So yeah. um, I think it's the first time where someone who had like a real front runner vibe didn't. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Right. The only other times I've seen it was been like someone who was just like random who got the axe like immediately yeah. after. Right. I mean, cause yeah, like we had uh, like Tasha technically give her first impression rose to Spencer, but that was like different too. Um, you know, because one, Spencer seems like a douche a little bit. Uh, and then two, uh, he went home shortly after, like he didn't stick around that long. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was just like no airtime whatsoever. Um, and then, so yeah, so Serena P gets the second one-on-one or second one-on-one and they're doing tantric yoga. And I must say they were both extremely good at this like jarringly ridiculously good. good at it yeah like they're all of a sudden it's like oh yeah let, let's like figure this out and also serena P's, as we learn this is not her thing they're both very good at it considering it's maybe not their thing yeah i was surprised when she started talking about how uncomfortable she was and how much she didn't like it because she looked not only did she look like such a natural i mean she's obviously very you know flexible and probably sporty and and whatever but she looked like she was having fun. Yeah. I didn't realize that she wasn't. And I was like, oh, was she having fun? Or she- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're just good at it, and I correlate being good at something as having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, that's that's how I tend to operate. If I'm, if I'm good at something and I'm like, hey, you know, I could get used to this. This is kind of a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like instant validation. Yeah. It's like, oh, I like this feeling. Yeah. What a curse to like be good at things you don't enjoy. Right? What? <laughs> wow. That's that's real, real devil's devil's work there. Yeah. In her, don't not to speak for her, but in her defense, she—I feel like she wasn't into like the public intimacy of it. Like I'm sure she, like maybe did gymnastics when she was a teen and loved it. Yeah, something like that, or like ballet or something. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, I, I, I can definitely get that because I think for me, I'm like a little less. uh, What's what's the right word? I'm a little less. I don't care as much about like. You know, if I'm like really into someone, I'm. It's kind of like I just exist in a bubble with them, and I'm able to tune out the rest yeah. of the world pretty well. Especially in New York, because I'm just oh used God. to like I'll I'll like just sing on the subway platform to myself. Like I don't care. I'm just you're not a real New Yorker if you haven't cried on the subway. Yeah, packed subway. Yeah, exactly. Packed subway. So maybe that's like the New Yorker in him. Right? He's just so used to people being around. He's like, whatever, this is normal. Wait, I think that's so. I think you're onto something because before I moved to New York City, I was a huge, like, anti PDA person, like, very, and, you know, very similar to something that Serena said. And, and I was just super anti it. And I'm not really at all anymore. Like, I'm not, I will never be, you know, at a small intimate gathering with my close friends and then just start making out with someone in front of 10 people. Like not, you know, you'll yeah. never be like that because also I think that's just a little disrespectful. But um, like, I'm just remembering a time in college where I was like walking with a guy and like the streets weren't like hundred percent empty, but kind of, and everyone around was like drunk and not paying attention to us. And he tried to kiss me and I was like, uh, no, we're public. There was like no one around anyway. Um, what I think that that changed or I had to force myself to change that in New York because in New York, like the only <laughs> private place is like inside your room. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to bring this random yeah, person yeah, I went exactly. on one day with to my room or go to their room in order to like kiss them and see if there's a spark. Yeah. That's just a recipe for like getting murdered. Yeah. You know? Right. So I like really had to force myself to like kiss people on the street. Yeah. <laughs> And that was really hard at first, but now it's like, now I'm like, have no qualms about it at all whatsoever. Yeah. It's just a New York thing. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's it just very a New much York is. Thing. There's yeah. no privacy in New York. Yeah, it's like if you were just very much not going to be into PDA in New York, it's just like that much more of an obstacle to an already very difficult dating situation. So oh I'm God, just trying to eliminate obstacles. Thing. And, you know, I just made out on uh, my fair share of park benches. Not like full, like whatever yeah. people are picturing. It's not like we're going to lay down on the park bench, but, you know, you got to just like kiss people where you can. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've had any like particularly egregious public <laughs> makeouts. I feel like they're all just like on the streets, you know, on a subway entrance or something in the back of a dark bar, you know, yeah. nothing too gross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I've just, cause I've just never liked when like my, I try to avoid this where possible, but 
I think I've had a few dates where like my first kiss with someone has been like in the subway because like I was getting off at like the next stop or she was and like Ooh. that's that was like the only departure, you know. Actually, you know what I've yeah. actually done is if I know that we're on the same train and like that's going to be the way the date ends, I will pretend that I have somewhere to go so I don't have to take the subway with them and then I can do the first kiss in a more proper way that's not on a smelly subway platform. Okay, that is smart because I don't think I was you were saying that I was like, oh, I've probably definitely done that. And I can't think of a time I've done that. <laughs> and I think it's because the only times I had ever taken the subway for a date was if I was meeting someone in Manhattan and I don't live in Manhattan. So it's basically it's like I'm only taking the subway if you don't live near me. Yeah. Basically, like all of my dates that were in Manhattan were because the person lived in Manhattan. So we were not taking the same train home regardless. <laughs> and there were many times when people picked a bar near me, like for my convenience. Yeah. So then they would maybe walk me home, kiss me outside the door, and then like walk to the subway. Yeah. So, and I would just go upstairs. So yeah, there's definitely, that's so funny. I feel very <laughs> blessed that I haven't had that like rushed <laughs> subway makeout that you were oh, yeah. describing. It's, it's, a, it's a vibe in a very weird sense of the word. But no, like, so getting back to Matt being a natural oh my God, like this. Yeah, really Matt, get back in, oh, yeah. Really get back in. Um, one thing that I thought was funny when, like, Serena was doing, like, her confessional about how she didn't really like the date. And then Matt, was, at the same time, doing his confessional about how he does really like the date. Yeah. I thought it was funny how he, he kind of used some language that I thought was a little funny. I just am, like, so into Serena. I'm just taking in who she is as a person and i know that sounds super yogi and weird but like i'm just vibing right now you know and this just made me laugh because to me i'm like this is the type of thing that like a manhattan real estate finance boy would totally say in response to like meeting someone who lives in bush like you know like, this is definitely like how he thinks about like matt has definitely referred to like a bushwick beanie bro yeah as like crunchy granola like you just know you just know and so <laughs> that's amazing yeah, so Matt being a natural with this, when Matt was talking about what he liked about the date and he was talking about the part where they had to sit and just stare at each other, he talked about how he's never done like that extended level of intimacy and how he felt naked. This reminds me, have you ever heard of the 36 questions love experiment? Yes. Yeah, so I have. I'm One of a, the most famous New York Times like love, yeah. love essays. Yeah. Of all, literally of all time. Yeah, I am obsessed with it. And when we were, well, so obviously we had our own stretches at BuzzFeed, but when in my early days at BuzzFeed, I did this for a post. I went on a date with like a friend of a friend and we did the 36 questions back and forth. And we even did the whole stare into each other's eyes bit. And I got to say, it's like, it's, uh, it's really intense. I mean, that was, I think like a seven hour long date when you're going back and forth. Oh and just God. to, just to recap a little bit for people, what the 36 questions love experiment is, it's called like 36 questions that'll lead to love. And the whole idea is you and a partner go back and forth asking each other these questions and they uh, start- Of increasing with, intimacy. Right. So they start off with something yeah. like, oh, what celebrity would you eat dinner with alive or dead? That sort of stuff. And then it gets into like, what's your most terrible memory? It just really gets into this vulnerable place. And then after it, you're supposed to, you know, after you've already shared all of this really intense stuff with- this person stuff that you may not have ever told anyone before. You don't really uh, bring up your most terrible memory as party banter. 
You know, you're supposed to stare yeah. into each other's eyes for four minutes straight without talking. And that part is terrifying. Uh, so I'm not in love with that person as a spoiler alert. I'm not currently married to that person. <laughs> but I do think there's validity to like, I think it somewhat similar to quarantine, like microwaves where it was already going to go. You know, if it was just clearly going to be a platonic vibe, it very much makes you realize that you're there. If you were probably on the trajectory of falling in love, it'll get you there. So I think it's really interesting yeah. for sure. So I would encourage everybody to look that up. It's really cool. Yeah. Something that I also encourage people to look up is this game called We're Not Really Strangers, which I think was inspired by that, um, by those 36 mm. questions. And I, I bought it for my my dad and my stepmom and also my mom and her fiance. And I'm really bummed that I didn't buy it for myself. But I just hear so many amazing things. Like I have a friend who owns it and she's played it with friends and, you know, a significant other alike. And I just really, I'm just like really want to buy it and play it with like the people around me in my life. And yeah. so I think these are great questions. Not It doesn't have to be um, just for a significant other or like a potential love interest. It could also be for you know, like a strengthening a friendship or maybe like really strengthening a bond with a family member. You know, there I think it's just like a way to ease intimacy between two people um where it might be harder than usual. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a sucker for that stuff. Like I've played that before yeah, too. And it too. just it's just so fun and cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so yeah. So then, you know, we have the night portion Serena is like looking forward to potentially introducing Matt to her family, vice versa. She's, uh, you know, on a slower track, but, you know, that's enough for Matt to, to get a rose here. Yeah. Um, so I, like we said, uh, right before we got into the state, I predicted that Serena would be going home at the end of the state and not getting a rose. When she gets the rose, despite them being on different pages, I... I just started thinking, you know, like, as we know, this episode, we saw a lot of exits. And I think when we get to this stage in a lot of past seasons, we've seen a lot of exits like this. Like, we see self-eliminations and this, you know, at this stage, we see a lot of other kind of outside forces interfering with people going home. So it's never like a straight up rose ceremony where like three people are blindsided standing up there, you know, in front of Matt. Like, it, it, I've just noticed that as a trend. Yeah. And so I was kind of wondering... Like, if maybe the producers had set this date up kind of to fail. Like, you know, like, I, and part of my mind was, like, it feels like Matt could have gone one of two ways. Either, like, double down and, like, okay, I'm glad we could work through this. I can see a future with Serena. Or, like, oh, I really like this thing and she really didn't like it. And she really is adamant about never wanting to do it again. Yeah. Maybe we're not aligned. Maybe I have to say goodbye. Yeah. And it reminded me about how Colton has talked about his season where, like, producers set up. Cassie to self-eliminate and to leave because they thought that that Colton's like number one was Hannah, yeah, not, not Cassie. So it just it's just very interesting to me. Like I wonder if they were like, well, it, we it works either way because we get interesting content either way. So yeah. that I was I definitely thought maybe maybe she could have been set up to fail and instead it just worked out in her favor. Yeah, no, I can see that too. So before we get into the group date, um. Like I said, I made my prediction for these hometown date roses already wrong off the um already wrong out of the gate. So I wanted to take the time to revise 
my statement <laughs> and put forth another prediction. I literally paused the show to be like, okay, rewrite re- this rewrite it up. prediction. So obviously, not prediction, Rose one gone. It is gone to Serena B. So my prediction for the next three roses are, it's going to be the same. I'm just removing um, Abigail. And again, and remember, I predicted this before we found out who got that first one-on-one date rose. And I was really convinced that was going to be Abigail. So I feel very comfortable and confident moving forward with Brie, Michelle, and Rachel. And unfortunately, we're going to say goodbye to Abigail, um, which is sad. It's fucked up. It's it's more than sad. It's fucked up. Justice for Abigail. It's fucked up. I'm mad. Um, <laughs> so we find out that Jasenia gets the next one-on-one. So it's Piper, Michelle, Rachel, Brie, Kit, and Abigail on this date. Um, oh yeah, they didn't do like a group activity, did they? No, it was just like another one of these lazy-ass group dates where it's like, we're all just going to like chill for a little while yeah. back at the, yeah. back at the Nemecolin lounge. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't even, I, I'm shocked that like last time I would like clocked it immediately. And this time I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait it did minute. nothing. It did nothing. It was just the only part of the day. Part of the date was them showing Matt once again on a Peloton. And then it was like, and it's nighttime. And they showed the women like getting ready. <laughs> that was their big hullabaloo for the day. Um, so we're at the night portion of the group date. <laughs> And Matt kind of tells the women that this is like a really, really, really big moment yeah. for them. And like they're about to have some like really intense conversations. As a, as a brief pause, I like how you said the night portion of the group date as if there was a day portion. <laughs> Just like, yeah, yeah. And definitely not the after party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Matt pulls Brie aside first and then Brie kind of drops the bomb on Matt saying that she a few days ago had to officially resign from her job because she's been away for so long, which was a really, really big step and a really big decision for her to make because as we learned in her one-on-one, like, you know, she didn't have a lot of financial security growing up. So like this job is literally the epitome of, of success and, yeah. and security for right. her. So that's a big risk um, for her to take. And, you know, Matt really appreciated that. But I do, this made me wonder, like, how, how much contact do contestants have with the outside world? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Is it like, is it like, they're obviously don't have their phones. They're not really allowed to know, to talk to people on the outside. But is this kind of like, a, you know, I gave producers a heads up that if I was gone longer than a month, I have to call my job and like officially quit sort of situation? Like, yeah. Do they have to, like, I just wonder if it's like, okay. It could, because that, that's a very real thing. It's like, yeah, well, if you don't right. last past night one, obviously you're not going to quit your job. If your job's like, well, you can take, you know, yeah, a X month, amount of time. But off, if you're right, right. So, so it does, it, like, this is real world implications yeah. for contestants. So I wonder what the extent is for, yeah. um, for that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I do feel like there are moments where, you know, like the, Especially if there's like a heads up, like after a month, I should, you know, if I make it that far, I should let my job know that, you know, I need to, you know, resign or, or at least get in touch with them. Um, because like, I've definitely heard stories of say there's, um, you know, like a group date happening, or maybe there's like a one-on-one happening and all the people are back at the house that like producers will like, like do things with them. Like I've heard, uh, they've like gone to like a baseball game or something like that. As long as things are done under the guise. Really? Yeah. Which is wild. Right. But I've heard that where it's like, as long as things are done under 
production supervision, then certain things are allowed. So it's not always just like you get in your room and you stay there. You know, sometimes they'll they'll let mm-hmm. you interact, but it's just very policied, right? So it might have been. Wow. I've always wondered that, like when people apply for the show and they have to say, like, hey, you know, I'm going on this thing. Uh, I might be gone two weeks. I might be gone two months. Just navigating that, that conversation. <laughs> and I, you know, I really think it's like you have to hopefully uh, have a boss that is a fan of the show. Because if they are, then they're like, oh, go for it. Be gone forever. Like, go on Paradise. Go, You know, someone who's familiar with it all, they'll just like enable you. Yeah. But if they're like anti the show, then it's probably a lot harder to get the time off. And then you maybe got to quit. You know, it's, yeah. it's tough. It just reminds me of like that. Ba- I think it was a bachelorette who she she was like falling in love with the bachelor. And then I guess she got a, she was like, I got a call from my job that said I was gone for too long. So I had to either quit or come back. And so mm-hmm. she left the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how did they reach? Her? How did the job reach? Yeah. Her? yeah. Like, did the president of that company have Chris Harrison's <laughs> number on speed? Yeah. Like, and, and then she became the bachelorette. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is great for her, but but you know what I mean. I was like, how did whatever anyway? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that you know was a really intense combo. It goes well. Um, I kind of thought that she was gonna get the uh, group date rose for that. Um, spoiler, she doesn't. <laughs> um, and then next, um, Abigail. I feel like every episode we've seen Abigail have like a little mini spiral about like I haven't had time. I've had a one on one. Yeah. First impression rose. Like we. I just want time, 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 time. Um, which is very valid. Yeah. And so we see that little mini spiral happening again. And then she goes to talk to Matt. And Matt is kind of very open and honest with her and says, like, because I was so sure of our connection up top, I decided to, you know, take a step back and explore other connections because I was so confident in our connection. Yeah. But then those connections just like progressed way farther than ours. Yeah. And so basically, basically he was like, I played myself, Yeah. but also I'm the bachelor. So I'm not really losing at all. Yeah. And it it just like sucked. It's like, it's like admitting that he, he made a choice. And again, not, not, I don't think he made like a wrong choice, but it's like, yeah, he made a choice, but then kind of like forgot to like circle back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I really felt for Abigail. Yeah. It's like one of those situations where you think you have like all the time in the world to do something and all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, like we have to, you know, leave tomorrow or it's like, you just think you have way more time than you have. And then all of a sudden it's like, and you're at hometowns. Yeah. I'm looking back and it's like, you know how we said a little bit earlier, how like, is it that normal for someone to get two one-on-ones and someone not? And I was like, yes, but usually it's not like someone who is or was a front runner. Yeah. Like I, I think back and I think like, okay, Katie's one-on-one, like we all knew that she was going to get some help. Like I feel like there's other instances where Abigail should have been put there. Yeah. And, but because the connection was so strong or they were in such a good place, like they just getting pushed back, yeah. back, back. Yeah. And now it's like, well, production play themselves. Like, not play themselves, but like they don't really care because they're not losing. Yeah, like yeah. production doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, it's like they still got people, right? Production just wants content. Yeah. So the only person who got fucked over by this kind of way of going about it was Abigail. So yeah. I definitely really, really feel for her. Um, Obviously, Matt sends her home. He doesn't want to lead her on, which is, you know, good on him. Uh, And I'm just, I, I was just truly, truly heartbroken for Abigail. Yeah. I do think that she's one of the few people on the show who genuinely did deserve better and deserve a chance um and she just said something that really freaking broke my heart 
for me to like lay it all out and then for him just to come back and say he doesn't see it um it's just kind of eating me alive right now and just be like i'm just constantly like the person that makes men realize what they want next but they never want that with me so it's just a hard pill that i'm gonna have to swallow and i just feel like so many women relate to this it hurts but yeah the uh, the tldr of this moment is justice for abigail she deserved better she was she's like my lead choice for bachelorette honestly like i love like a, all a whole bunch of women but like she's really my lead you know contender yeah i was gonna say if maybe as chris harrison views it if we were like in 2018 versus 2021 <laughs> i would say that she is 100 percent definitely gonna be the bachelorette i would confidently say that if we were watching the season um three years ago um, yeah. because we're not and we're not in a vacuum i have no idea who the bachelorette's gonna be you know there is a lot of katie hype um which also love her to be the bachelorette but i think in terms of edit in terms of want in terms of wanting someone so bad to find the happy ending yeah um i i yeah i can't i can't reiterate it enough i think that in a stereotypical traditional sense she is perfectly teed up to be yeah. Um, yeah. the next bachelorette yeah then matt pulls rachel aside you know they're regular ooey gooey lovey-dovey you know <laughs> whatever we all know that he likes her a lot <laughs> Um, and then Matt pulls Kit aside and then Kit talks about how there are certain things she wants to accomplish. You know, she wants to be able to finish school and be able to travel and means that getting married and having a family together will be pushed longer and later than other women here. And by that, she elaborates that she wouldn't want to have kids until she's at least 25 or 26. So she's a long-term investment. And oh yeah. my God, is Kit young. Like, yeah. Holy yeah fuck yeah like not, not to like young shame her at all but i still feel this way and i'm fucking 27 yeah yeah like, I, right. I, like so don't get me wrong like i'm like yes prioritize yourself yes prioritize finishing school yes prioritize traveling the freaking world um while you're young and also have money like if i could afford to have traveled the world when i was 22 <laughs> you know right or 23 right out of college i absolutely yeah. whatever yeah. i only started right before the pandemic because that's when i could start affording it yeah but yes i'm I'm so like i'm being here like a, a kit cheerleader and you know <laughs> that i'm not really a kit cheerleader so i'm like yeah. yes but i just it was also hard not to eye roll because i'm like girl like even 25 or 26 like that's still so young like yeah that's four or five years away for you but that's still so young yeah so it was kind of funny for me to hear her say like long-term investment i mean look at look at jojo like she and jordan have been engaged for like four or five years and yeah. they are still planning on having kids like <laughs> yeah um and they weren't as young as her but you know what i'm saying is that most people are together for a few years before they pop out yeah babies, especially yeah. when they're on the younger end <laughs> right um so that was a little bit like that did make me chuckle a little bit but then i was i was also just kind of like um i have a question that is not meant to sound like it sounds judgy but it's not meant to sound judgy. this is a genuine question and that is like so what alarmed me more by kind of her statements of like wanting to finish school and travel and you know get her career in check like yeah like i said i 100 percent support and agree with this but i feel like this means that you know kit wasn't or isn't ready for marriage mm. and like this again this isn't a judgment on her or like not here for the right reasons or whatever um i guess it's kind of like a genuine question like do you think you can be ready for 
marriage or like a long time, you know, commitment proposal situation at the same time as wanting to explore the world and explore your career and explore who you are as a person and how you fit into the world? Like, do you think that is possible to be 100% ready for a lifelong commitment to another person and still have all these other things that you want to prioritize above like traditional relationship goalposts like physically getting married? Yeah. Well, I think it's like you could, you can still be able to have like a commitment to a person. But the whole premise of this show, again, theoretically, is that you're ready for engagement. And she like flat out says that like she was going into this not ready for engagement. She was ready to like have a boyfriend during the parts of her life where she's traveling and finishing school and like doing these other things. But she, yeah, but she says that like that's going to happen later. So that's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I was coming from. Like, I think you can have a boyfriend and be committed to them and travel the world and plan on marrying them eventually one day. But I feel like, like, I can see it as like, if it happens, like, awesome. It's like an added bonus to like this great life that I'm about to live for myself. But then it's like, why are you going on a dating show to to find? I don't know. It's I feel like I'm having a really hard time articulating this idea that I'm having in my head. But it's like, yeah, it feels like if it kind of coincidentally happens and you have a partner while you're doing these things, that's great and awesome. But like, I don't think you can commit yourself to like going on a, this type of self journey. And then also actively, actively like find a fiance. Yeah, right. So it, it was just like a little mind boggling to me. Um, And so so we're, we're about to come back to Kit in one second. Um, <laughs> but just really quickly to finish out the group date in general. Rachel gets the group date rose, you know, classic. <laughs> Um, I will say something that I thought was funny is like the second that they walked out of the building, the rose like fell apart. I like, noticed cool, that it just too. like all the petals like fell off. That felt like such just like a dark metaphor for like what this past <laughs> week has been. Oh my God. Where just it was just like where where uh, maybe show where their, where their future is. Yeah, going. entertainment met reality in that moment. Yeah, truly. Um, private concert by Aloe Black, who I actually I, like. I actually really like. So, like, I always like when I recognize people. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, like, again, someone else I didn't recognize. But then he started singing the song. And I was like, I think I know this song. He sings that, like, so, uh, like I need a dollar song. They're like, I need dollar, <gasps> dollar, dollar is what oh, I Oh, my God. I, I love need. that song. It's so good. Hey, it's, hey. Hey, hey. it's okay. I yeah, like he's, he's good. He has, like, a couple other songs, too. But that's, like, the big one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, we get someone that brett and i really like but i didn't know i realized <laughs> until just a second so thank you brett that happens <laughs> also sidebar that'd be a great karaoke song and i don't know why i never think of it i need to write that shit down right as we're we recording need to write it down for the next time that we go back to the karaoke i'm gonna uh, practice that for the next six months and then when i'm able to step into a karaoke <laughs> bar i'm gonna be fucking ready oh my god i'm so hyped <laughs> uh, so the group date ends Rachel and Matt have this like random one-on-one solo time that is not really normal for <laughs> yeah. a group date, but yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, and then afterwards, Kit goes over and visits Matt and talks to him. Um, and TLDR, she self-eliminates. Uh, I thought I would have the clarity I needed going into hometowns, but... Hometowns isn't a figure it out sort of situation. It's a rest of your life sort of situation. And you deserve someone who is 
100% sure of you getting down on one knee tomorrow. That's not me. And basically, I think this is the right move. I think this is correct of her to do based on everything that we heard her tell him during that group date. Um, Basically, I feel validated by my above rant. And I feel like she was like saying these things to Matt out loud. And as she was hearing herself say these things, she realized that this was not right. You know, like she wasn't ready for engagement. Like I just feel like everything that I was just ranting about, you know, a second ago she kind of just like realized yeah. while she was saying these things to Matt. Again, this is very speculative. Because, yeah. Spoiler, I don't know Kit and yeah. we haven't talked about it. <laughs> um, But it's just like, it, to me, that just seems like logical. Yeah. And yeah, so that's great and mature. But it raises a question that I posed to you, Brett. And that question is, do we think Bachelor Nation, Cough, you know, Rachel Lindsay, and not, you know, very separate from the drama that's been happening this week, but very tied to some very strong opinions Rachel has had about similar contestants in the past. Um, will they go as hard at Kit as they did, you know, Peter Krause or Brendan from last season? Uh, yeah. And again, there is that double standard of like a man versus a woman. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... I know that Rachel has definitely like commented about like Kit's, you know, behavior before. No, I mean, I I think that when Kit goes on Bachelor Happy Hour there that they'll, you know, hold her feet to the fire a little bit because they've held other people's feet a little bit to the fire. And Kit was very clearly, you know, right there with Victoria in the beginning. And she's had her other moments. I mean, we had one earlier where, you know, with Heather Martin. So I think they will, but I do agree with your point where there might be a little bit of a double standard with how much they go in. Yeah. Like I said, I think this is like the mature right decision, yeah. a realization she came to in decision. So it's not like I think she needs to be chastised. It's more like, I think, yeah, there's people who go on the show for the wrong reasons, but I think, you know, do I think Peter and Brendan went on the show for the wrong reasons? No. Like, yeah. I, like I, it's very clear to everyone that Peter was definitely very, very, very into Rachel and really want to pursue a relationship after the show. They just realized that they weren't ready for get down on one knee engagement proposal. Um, which again, not the point of the show. So the second you realize that, yeah, send yourself home. But always better to be sure of to try to be sure of that before you get on the yeah. show. But again, no, it's yeah. perfect. Um and so I guess I guess my thoughts is like I don't want Kit to be, you know, punished you know or like so like so aggressively like pushed on this as brendan and peter were but i would like to see a world where there is more empathy for you know not like that white men need more empathy but like i would just like to see i just like to see double standards in general be equalized out yeah so but on the side that is lighter yeah that makes sense so like i don't want kit to get dragged through the mud the way peter and brendan were but um, I would like to see, you know, if there are future like Peter and Brendan's or even like going back, even like a revisionist, like going back and being like, okay, they didn't deserve, you know, all of like the fire that was thrown at them because at the end of the day, they committed to a process and that process caused them to realize that this person wasn't 
right for them or that they right. weren't ready yet to make this decision of whether or not the person yeah, was right for yeah, them. Yeah, right. What's funny is like you had so many kid thoughts and I agree with all of them, but because my dumb brain is is my dumb brain, uh, the thought that I had when Kit was essentially sending herself home is that she was thinking, Matt, you can't meet my famous mom yet. You know, you're not at that level. Cause like, that's like oh a different God. level. It's a different level of pressure where it's just like, I don't know. You have to, I'm not pulling you into high society just yet. And, uh, it, I mean, that could also be a factor. Like yeah, we don't know the be. factors that were going to it her mind. It's probably a combination of things. And I think you're on something. Right. Yeah. No, because you do think about like, you know, what's her name? Cynthia, Cynthia Rowley. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, she. Well, her famous mom that we don't know her name. Yeah, the, her. Yeah, kid's famous mom. Uh, I do wonder if like they had a conversation. You know, I would love to be a fly on the wall of kid's application process and her talking to her mom about it because I'm sure her mom had thoughts about her going on the show and then also what her involvement, quote unquote, was going to be like where her barriers were of like not wanting to be- like have Bachelor milking her brand or maybe they did want Bachelor to milk her brand. Like I, I'm very curious what that looked like. And then if they had the conversation of like, all right, well, you have to really like the guy if you're going to pull me into a hometown and I'm going to be a part of this shit. Um, yeah, I'm really curious because it is a different factor you have to think about. That's so funny. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, like we said in other episodes, like they're like high society, you know, elite socialite and that a lot of that crowd would probably look down on a show like The Bachelor. Yeah, so, yeah. And a lot of them maybe wouldn't. You know, I, I again, I can't speak for them, but it just stereotypically wise, that's what I would, that's what comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and also, like, I think there's a lot of things that Kit deserves to be held accountable for and put under fire for, and I think this is not one of them. You yeah, know, like, yeah, for sure. At the bare minimum, were you positive that you wanted to get, that you were ready to get engaged when you went in? Like, you know, but like, at the end of the day, like, you're allowed to change your mind about these things. And I think that there was way worse things that she did that I would like to see people grill her on than just her realizing that she was too young to be engaged. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, And then with that, we get Jesenia's one-on-one. And, you know, like, even though she did not have an amazing showing earlier this episode, I still really like Jesenia. I'm willing to... You know, again, it's like she had she had one instance of a thing that I did not like, so I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put that on the back burner and say that I'm still very hyped for this date that they have. Uh, they have mm-hmm. to- this guy Tony Angelo, love a good Tony, professional drifter, hosting a drifting date, which is like it's kind of fun. Uh, but but I will say, you know who should become a professional drifter is Jessenia because she seems very good at this. Right off the bat, in a way that like I was thinking if I were in that date, I would be like so terrified of I mean, I guess you're, you know, in a a safety course, you know, like you're not accidentally going to slam into another car. But she just seemed very good at it while Matt was not very good at it. Maybe it was like intentionally bad, like, oh, I'm going to like let her win to be cute or whatever that kind of vibe would be. But uh, that was an observation that Matt, while he might be a good yogi, was not a good drifter. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I remember thinking like, wow, she's a natural. And then he was just breaking shit. Like also when he drove up, I was like, that's not him. Like even they did a close up of like, the face with the helmet. I was like, that's n- that person's not black. Like, yeah, it, you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't even <laughs> like, a, do they look similar? It's like that was, that literally was not Matt. Yeah, and yeah. then, 
yeah, I thought that was um, a very fun date. I will say, like, I, like I've been saying the whole episode, I didn't think Jessenia was going to make it past this episode. So yeah, it's kind of hard yeah. to watch it in that sense because they were yeah. having so much fun. Yeah. such a, And, like, their chemistry was really good, too. I've always wanted to try something. Come here. Pick me up. <laughs> okay. This on brand is breaking everything. She's like giving him direction. Yeah. And it just leads to like this really great like chemistry yeah. moment yeah. of them like making out in the hood of the car. I was like, yes. Yeah. Like I, I felt the same thing. I was like, yeah, maybe I was mad at you earlier in this episode, but everyone's human. And also, yes, take charge, ask for what you want, communicate. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, like, when I was watching this date, again, I feel like we've had this type of fear for the past two weeks where it's the dreaded fun date at the end of the episode where you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. The doom. The doom is near. And then, you know, going into that night, something that maybe I'm alone in this, but this room gave me the exact same energy as the room that Katie had her dinner with, with Matt, like just with like a different backdrop. Like they put some lilacs or whatever behind Katie. I think it was the same room. Like this is the breakup. I thought the same thing. Yeah. It was just too like, wait a minute. This is the exact, like, (laughs) like the lighting was exactly the same. It was just too, too on the nose. It was very similar. Yeah. And um, yeah. So it's definitely the breakup warehouse that we're, we're working with there. Yeah, and if the breakup warehouse is not enough of a red flag, Matt was wearing a hoodie. Justine is wearing a really, really cute dress. She's all done up, and Matt shows up in a goddamn hoodie. In a hoodie? Oh no, just, that's a red just, flag. It is. He's just like no, no trying to impress her whatsoever. Just like we're just going to be yeah. functional as hell. Yeah. So we get Justine falling in, saying she's falling in love with Matt, and Matt's not feeling the same. What you've said. In the beginning about being my rock and being someone I can confide in, I've done that. But with engagement being the end result of this journey, there needs to be that intangible love and connection that's driving us towards an engagement. And I don't think I'm I'm there yet. And then as usually happens when someone goes home on a one-on-one, we have the dramatic, you know, showing of the women seeing a producer carry the the fallen contestants luggage out. And I got to say, there is no way that Jasenia only had one bag in all of this. And so it's just like definitely there's a prop, you know, for drama for the girls who stayed behind. Like it was just... I don't know why all of a sudden I'm noticing all these like little things. I'm like, that makes no sense, yeah, but I yeah. am. I mean, the whole and I'm the here whole, to expose them. The whole suitcase thing has always been such a mystery to me. Where it's like you could you have to fit like everything for all types of weather into like you know. I think it's like I think they get two two suitcases. Well, I read somewhere that they get. I don't remember the number. It was like somewhere between two and four. But I read somewhere that someone was like. I just ignored that. Yeah. And they brought like six, you know, like yeah, they, I like, think that they do? can't stop you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, Jasenia is going home and then we go right into the rose ceremony there and we find out that Piper is also going home. So we have our final four, Rachel, Michelle, Brie, and Serena P. And my second iteration of my guesses were right. There you go. You know, it <laughs> might take you some edits to get there, but it's fine. You know, it still works. You know, the first draft is usually not the winner anyway. So, you know, you know, 
Yeah. Just from a literary standpoint. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but then with that, we're at the end of the episode and we got hometowns next week. And we get some clips mm-hmm. and the teaser of meeting family. So uh, typical kind of like hometown energy. It's very traditional hometown doubt real. Yeah, you know, right. Nothing crazy yeah. here. And then we have probably my favorite part of the entire episode, the blooper. The blooper. And it's basically just praising Michelle being funny. And what I, what, I, what I liked about it was that it was separate clips. It wasn't just like one moment. It was yeah. like, look at a compilation Little of Michelle real. being silly. Yeah. And um, I just really liked the Michelle doing push-ups before the toast and like making everyone laugh so hard that some women spit uh, some of their champagne out. But it also reminded me of like the – First episode when Matt did the push-ups before yeah, getting yeah. in the hot tub with Brie. Yeah. And I wonder if she was, like, calling him out in the yeah. sense. Like, I mean, I don't know, know how – I don't – yeah, I was wondering because, like, I thought the exact same thing where it's like, oh, this is, like, a little, like, call callback to that. But then, like, how would Michelle know that unless, like – unless – Yeah. Because uh, it was Unless Bree's he told – I mean, he yeah. could have just told them. Yeah, maybe. Or they could, like, watch him do it, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, that I, could be it. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought I thought the same thing. I don't know. I'm glad we're in sync. It yeah. was just like very funny, but also like yeah. With huh? <laughs> with that with that blooper though, I I was actually really glad to see this because I think you know because I've obviously loved Michelle this entire time, but she hasn't struck me as like the funny contestant, right? Or like the you know like the comic relief. Like she always has yeah. been pretty like um, like serious and mature and fun, but not like funny. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah. all the more reason to like Michelle. Yeah. She seems a lot more well-rounded to me now. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it was a really, really great way to end the episode, and honestly, a great way to end this episode. I don't know about you, Brett, but I think you know we've had enough patronation uh, drama yeah, for this absolutely. week. And <laughs> I think we just gotta like we need a healthy breather. I think so. I think we'll end mm-hmm. it there. With that, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Because that's another episode of Baby Caught That. This episode, and all the other ones you listen to, produced by us, Brett Pagara and Camila Salazar. Have any questions, comments, opinions, answers to any of our pressing questions throughout this episode that you want to share with us? Email them all to babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And like, listen, I'd give you a rose if you gave us five stars. And if you're not yet, follow us on social media. We're Baby Got Batch Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And listen, while you're there, if you want to follow us personally, we're at Red S. Vergara and at Pamilalala with two A's at the end on, on both of those. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace out. 